Welcome back to On the Horizon podcast, hosted by Jesse Sage and Melrose Michaels. First, thank you so much for becoming a premium subscriber and supporting our podcast. This is getting you extra exclusive, unheard, and unseen footage from each interview that we have on the horizon. Chris Sardina is the director of National Sex Worker Rights Organization, Desiree Alliance. She holds a bachelor's degree in women's studies, U.S. history, and a master's in social justice. a question because so and I've never probably I've never said this publicly but it is on my radar with sex work CEO to eventually have our own con- like XBiz style kind of convention for networking and business to come together um, under like the online and digital creators is that something potentially Desiree could participate in and then maybe offer more shielding because they can't just come in and assume when a lot of us are digital creators who do have resources to combat you know, being arrested um, unfairly and like things like that, would that be of use or a value? Well, FOSTA-SESTA is an online law. I mean, it, it's bleeding out. Yeah. You, you see where it bleeds out. I mean, that would somehow, I mean, money's bleeding out. They're raiding massage parlors. Yeah. You know, they're doing street sweeps like they always do before big events, mm-hmm. you know, to clean the streets up. Um, but you know, the, the FOSTA SESTA is online. Mm-hmm. It, it's an online law. So they can, you know, they can, and it's so broadly written that it yeah. can be interpreted so many different ways. I mean, yeah. you know, to me, it's the new, it's the new technical Patriot Act there. Mm-hmm. The U S is trying to, you know, grab control of the WWW. I mean, good luck with that yeah. because mm-hmm. it's so vast and so yeah. wide, but it's just another tactical pet Patriot Act where the U S is going to, you know, you're either with us or against us, you know, mm-hmm. or you're going to be put on the dreaded tier list of, of not fighting trafficking. You must be for trafficking. So yeah. therefore we're not going to give you any money. You know, your loans are due tomorrow yeah. or, you know, we're not going to give you any military resources or, you know, it's just another tactical way for the U S to control fucking everything yeah um call me paranoid but i, I see <laughs> it i've seen it happen and I'm, yeah. seeing it. I'm seeing it happen you know right. now we've got online laws where mm-hmm. here comes the u.s you don't see you know and you're either with us or against us you want to yeah. you know fight this trafficking that doesn't exist in the united states mm-hmm. um of course trafficking exists i mean you have a capital economy you're going to have an underground economy to go right with that i mean that's just the way it goes um but you know it's um you know you're gonna you're gonna find that but if um you know the u.s starts controlling it now now we've got fosta sesta the earn it act and this Mm -hmm. act and the banking act and i mean these laws are just stacked upon stacked upon stacked well we already have laws we have the tv pa tv rpa is what i call it i don't know (laughs) but yeah so you know we already have these laws in place we have the palermo um protocol which you know deals with children and and things like that from by the united nations so we already have these global 
and national laws in place that protect people from trafficking. But if you look at the hysteria that that is going around about traffic, it's a new domestic. Well, it's not a new domestic war trafficking. You know, you go back to the Mann Act and, right. yeah. and you know, the White Slavery Act and all that bullshit. But, um, you know, it, it's just a way it's race baited. It's, yeah. you know, racist and, and patriarchal. We're infantilized, you know, we, we yeah. don't know our own minds. We must be, you know, if we're working by choice, well, you just don't know it, you know, right, you're trafficked because right. that's yeah. what you hear a lot. You just don't know it. These poor yeah. women, and it's always women and children. It's never boys or men. It's, yeah. um, you know, just what about the women and children? So we, we get this hysteria, you know, as the drug war wanes down with the legalization yeah. of marijuana, even though they're still trying to keep it alive. I mean, mm-hmm. the last 60 years, the drug war has, has, you know, done a lot, has done a lot for the U.S. prison system. Yeah. So, you know, now we've got, you know, we're ramping up this hysteria of trafficking. Mm-hmm. So if Aunt Betty in Vermont, who's sitting in her fucking lazy boy, sees mm-hmm. something about trafficking in her small town under every rock, behind every tree, yeah. they're lurking behind the building ready to snatch up your children. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Aunt Betty's scared. Yeah, she is yeah. scared to death because she doesn't go any further than just what she hears. You know, she I I've been writing and and talking about trafficking for years. So, you know, I'm I'm considered an expert of exactly what makes trafficking happen in the first place. And if you go with a capital economy, there you go. There's mm-hmm. your underground economy. And being from Arizona, being so close to the border, you know, we've we've picked out, we've cherry picked out sex trafficking, where if you go across the border, you're traveling from, you know, thousands of miles. I mean, you're going, you know, all the way to South America or go across, you know, across the seas to come in through Mexico. Mm-hmm. You know, you get your human trafficking, you get your labor trafficking mm-hmm. and you get your sex trafficking all in one. Yeah. So, you know, just to cherry pick out sex. Right. Because if we pick out labor and start screaming labor, labor, who's going to cut your fucking grass? Who's going to take care of your children? Who's going to dust your furniture? I'm from San Diego, so it's the same issue. I mean, I don't live there now, but I grew up in San Diego and it's the same. And border all the border cities like it's the same. Yeah, they're they're run on that labor. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> have you ever seen that movie a day without a mexican it's awesome it's about the whole system just shutting down all the mexicans disappear and yeah. clothing you know yeah. laundry piles up fruit rots you know yeah i don't actually know i don't think that like people who live in San Diego, like white people who live in san diego i don't think that they would know how to like function without the <laughs> laborers that are there Yes. And and anywhere, you know, as mm-hmm. as like I'm in Arkansas right now and it's really strange to see um, you wouldn't think there would be any Mexicans, but every one of our uh, I live in an apartment building. Our groundskeepers are all Mexican. Any type of um, contracted out labor mm-hmm. um, that you don't, you know, is is filled with people. Um, that are immigrants and migrants to too. this country. Yeah. So yeah. you see that mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, so, yeah, so when you, um, you know, if you pick out labor, well, God forbid, then people would have to be held accountable. Yeah. Yeah. But sex, you know, since we look at sex, so, so, you know, and if it's human trafficking, then it must be your own fault because you shouldn't have fucking came here in the first place, you know, and that's the, our mindset on how we look at that. So sex trafficking, you know, the yeah. women and children are getting, you know, right. raped and sold by the hundreds of thousands. These numbers are just so outrageous. I mean, Norma Jean Almondovar says, you know, you would literally have to import men from a different planet yeah. to actually, you know, actually justify these numbers. Yeah. Because there's just, there's not enough men in the world. If every man was a sex trafficker, we would have to import them from a different planet. Yeah. So yeah. because the way, mm-hmm. you know, the, e- even our own DOJ, you know, hundreds of thousands every day at any given time. Mm-hmm. Well, what the fuck does that even mean at any given time? Right. I mean, does that mean yesterday, today, tomorrow? I mean, at any given time, I'm looking over my shoulder because I'm going to be snatched up in Ikea right. or Walmart in the parking lot or by a white van or, mm-hmm. you know, Wayfair in a box with a num, you know, barcode. And, oh, my God. <laughs> You know, so I do a lot of, um, you know, I do a lot of refuting these numbers. So, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've gotten death threats and, well, you must be for, you're a trafficker, you're a sex trafficker. And then try to dox me and try to dox our board members. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had one lady... You know, because I told her to go fuck herself or something. And all of a sudden she goes, well, I'm going to write, you know, HR. Well, guess who HR is? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's so great. Oh, so- my God. Dina Stanley is the CEO and founder of TransUniting, a mutual aid nonprofit providing resources to Pittsburgh's trans community. Dina is a prominent social justice warrior amongst the Black trans community. TransUniting is a trans, non-binary, and gender expansive organization working to better our communities' lives here in Pittsburgh. For me, like the way that I learned how to be safe, how to do like all of the things that I need to do has been like through online communities. So like for folks who like, don't have that same access to that. Like you said, you're like boots on the ground. Like what are the networks look like for people who are like street-based workers or who aren't like necessarily Um, in online spaces? Spaces, right. Um, A lot of it in the barroom community. So I don't know Mm. if you guys have ever watched like Legendary or Pose or anything like that. Um, but I'm heavy into that scene. So uh, a lot of the sex workers come into the barroom community. Mm, that's um, so interesting. And, yeah, yeah. and outside of that, it's just, you know, um, a lot of folks in the community know me. And yeah. they, know, mm-hmm. they know they know what I did. Most of, <laughs> you know, like, all of us do a lot of, lot of things. So yeah. um, they always, you know, they just find a way to get to me somehow to get that yeah. information. That's interesting because when you speak in the ballroom community, we were interviewing um, some other guests earlier and they had the same kind of experience with their work with burlesque was that a lot of sex workers came through that community and were like, didn't have a space to like be what they were. And then they entered burlesque and that kind of served as that space temporarily for them. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like when you get into larger spaces that 
you know, are safe spaces for us, that's where we congregate and we're able to disseminate that good information. I wonder, do you think that with the organizing you've done that, because you, your, your experience is like you came from a place where there were no, you know, safety nets, there was no community for you. And now that there's a little bit of that established and it, it's making some change and being effective. Do you think that the fact that other sex workers coming up now, having that experience of like a community to rely on or depend on or seek education from will inspire them to continue and grow and foster more community. Cause I always wonder if like, that's something that sets a, you know, a chain effect or yeah. like momentum that catapults into better things, or if it's just like, Oh, taken for granted. Um, so I would say in different intersectionalities of sex working. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're talking about like black trans um, women who are sex working a lot of times there's so much mental instability there, you know, because of everything that we have to endure, um, they start uh, self-medicating. So start self-medicating and it turns into a whole nother situation. So you're not able to advocate a lot of times because you're, you're in, in that situation. And sometimes you don't make it out, but when they do, you know, they may come back and help. They may not, you know what I mean? Because a lot of times when you start getting into those addictions, you know, fight that for a very long time yeah Um, so yeah I I would definitely say in different um intersectionalities of sex working yes yeah but you know when you start getting down into down to the to the black trans folks it it gets crazy yeah I mean this like a question that I have is I'm listening to you say that though for you is like what keeps you like what keeps you hopeful and what keeps you working and what keeps you like fighting the fire yeah just um the fact that that keeping my my people safe you know Mm -hmm. keeping them educated somebody has to do that somebody has to be has to have some type of clear mind even though i'm a little crazy myself (laughs) 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 but i still you know just you know i'm just here like you know i was just i was blessed to I was fortunate enough to be in situations, you know, and come out of situations because there was a lot yeah. of situations. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Well, wait, but I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Of situations. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just, I moved back and this is the work that I said I'm going to do. I'm going to help my community. And, and I set out to do it. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah. But I was, I was doing it already. I've been doing it. I've been helping my community since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Not knowing that's, you know, kind of that's what I was doing. I was still, you know, doing all of the things I'm doing now, just in a different capacity. We hope you enjoyed this bonus footage from this episode of On the Horizon, and we look forward to having you tune in next time.